Welcome to a long overdue edition of the Weekend Sports Cars. I'm Marshall Pruitt. That is the, all caps, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, voice, face, and just spirit animal of all things you might see here and who knows through the WC, ELMS, Asian Le Mans Series, British GT, uh, Algonquin donkey yeah. racing. Uh, it, yeah. It's all got you. It's 100% yeah. you, Graham Goodwin. Uh, hey, we're going to do a show, and we should. I should apologize for us not getting this done the last couple of weeks. I did have a really nice father and son stop me last weekend at the Portland IndyCar race and say, hey, we love your, uh, and they were, said the week in and i'm thinking i'm at any car event so yes. this fine father and son in front of me graham they're gonna conclude that sentence with indycar show no they said we love your week in sports car show with graham dot 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 and and in a very polite pacific northwestern manner said well, when are you gonna get off your monkey ass and make some more of them I think I might have hey. said that part to them. But anyways, it's really <laughs> sweet to uh, meet a couple of folks who like what you and I do here. And Excellent. 100% apologies. All my fault for not getting this done. Uh, but hey, uh, I'm a I few days away. Well, I was just going to say I'm a few days away from farewelling the IndyCar season. And oh boy, that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of good things in my world time-wise. So we'll get back on track. But what are we doing here today, Mr. Goodwin? We only have about a half an hour, but what are we doing we today? Are, we do. We're going we're gonna to have a quick run-through based on what's been going on the last couple of weeks. We're going to pick up a couple of questions from uh, the questions that Daniel Summerskill put together for us uh, a week you. or so ago. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, thanks, Daniel. And thanks for everybody that actually dropped in those questions. So we're, so we're sort of basically going to get the train back on the rails and ready for next week. This weekend is a busy one. Uh, we're going to have the FI World Endurance Championship back on track. And at the moment, uh, it's late evening here, just south of London in the UK. Uh, and I'm shoving things in bags, ready to get onto the world's worst flight uh, to go to uh, Fuji. Uh, our first time back into uh, Asia, or Southeast Asia at least, since uh, the onset of covid of course so first time back there looking forward to being there not looking forward to getting there um the uh, yeah the uh, longer flight because of geopolitics of course um and all sorts of other uh, administrative related woes that have been getting in the way of this being a particularly straightforward trip but looking forward to the experience uh, for now though mp i'm going to start by chucking a couple of questions your way uh, first one comes from Chris Mock, because what we, we have seen fairly recently, after the, I think we can all agree, not particularly impressive first teaser for the Acura ARX06, we've now seen the car, and you specifically have seen the car, uh, in the carbon. And Chris says, now you've seen it up close and in person, how does it feel? Does it still look, feel like the, uh, the 05? Do they still look the same? Uh, what do you think? First note here, I was trying to negotiate with Honda Performance Development President David Salters. What's it going to cost me to get you to take the engine cover off? Uh, <laughs> right? I don't think I could afford it, but let me at least find out. Um, yeah. So I really liked the look of it up front. The ARX 05 never particularly impressed me. 
And okay. so they unveiled the same at the same exact place, same date, same every, like on the Thursday of Monterey Car Week, the uh, Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion event at the same exact uh, kind of golf club resorty type place in Pebble Beach. So yeah, uh, that part was a uh, very interesting. Did not dislike the look of the 05 when I saw it. It just didn't jump out as wow. There was a little bit more of a wow to the 06. Uh, just okay. sharper lines in some places, a little swoopier, a little more sculpted and whatnot. So, yeah, I found myself more intrigued with the 06. That was not a show car. That is and now has become Michael Shank Racing's very first ARX 06. So okay. this was, you know, the an actual car with actual stuff in it and a real thing to look at. I thought it was very, very interesting. The heart of the car is the thing that stands out to me, Graham, as the most interesting. Some of you might have seen about a 15 or 16-minute video that I did with David Salters walking around the car, talking about it. All the bodywork stayed on. Uh, but talking about what was beneath the engine cover is really interesting. So David, who, while coming to this, he's HPD's very first president, Graham, to come from the racing world instead mm -hmm. of someone to come from within corporate Honda who may have had some form of racing background. Uh, he's a purebred racer, engine designer, F1 Honda's F1 program Salters is a hardcore racer he has a better feeling then for the kind of things he should not talk about the things that uh, other folks might not deem as too sensitive he knows exactly what he does not want to put out uh, into the universe for his rivals to see at this point in time of the year so with all that said taking the engine cover off seeing the engine which uh, again that's my big goal here he did his best to put a little bit of color and subterfuge on the fact that this is indeed HPD's 2024 IndyCar engine, period, full okay. stop. In the interview, he said, well, you know, it's got sports car lineage and F1. And it's, you know, it, it's a motor with many mothers or fathers, however that should be said appropriately. Um, it's their IndyCar motor, man. Their 2024 IndyCar engine. 2.4 liter twin turbo V6. What is in the back of the ARX 06 Graham Goodwin? 2.4 liter twin turbo V6. Um, and yeah, having seen the one photo they released of it, that completely aligns with what is expected to see with their IndyCar motor. As a guy who covers IndyCar and sports cars, knowing that the ARX 06 is going to have uh, in 2023 on display their 2024 IndyCar engine, that's still a ways away, I'm wanting to see the motor because it kind of tells me what I might be seeing <laughs> with this top secret thing that is still not going to be on debut in IndyCar for another year and a half or so. So a little bit of fun there with David, but yeah, very unique choice there within the, uh, within the good old engine bay. And the other interesting thing that David shared during that interview was on the ERS side and the, uh, need to learn about it, need to understand how to use that and utilize that over here in IMSA had said that they embedded one of their engineers, HPD engineers in the Red Bull Formula One program, 
where uh, they obviously use Honda-derived motors and also have good old energy recovery systems. Also, common between them, the ECU, the engine control unit. So, lots to be learned, lots has been learned by HPD by implanting one of their folks over in the F1 program who's come back with all kinds of knowledge about using small displacement turbocharged V6s, ERS systems, and engine control units that will help them when they go racing with ARX 06 here in just a couple of months. Excellent. Excellent. Um, let's have a quick look what else is kind of kicking around here. Uh, I, I have to say I was very much more impressed with the car, the look of the car than I expected to be from that teaser. It, it's notably different from anything else that's out there. It, it, we, we've now seen all four of the GTP cars that will form the core of the grid for the IMSA season next next year. And I think things are looking up. Can tell you, by the way, there will be some more news to come very soon on uh, confirmation of another GTP entry for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship for 2023. As all of the hypercar and GTP teams and manufacturers start to get really busy with what is a pretty hectic MP uh, test and development program. And in particular, the LMDH spec cars making up for some lost time um, after, it's fair to say, on-track woes with the spec uh, hybrid system, in particular the MGU uh, aspect of that, uh, beginning to get things uh, underway. But we are going to see changes to some of the plans of those manufacturers, in particular Porsche, uh, who we now know will not be going to Bahrain for the final WEC race with their uh, with their car, but instead will concentrate on a more orderly track testing and development uh, process. Uh, as we are recording this, cars have been on track today at Daytona uh, with the uh, the IMSA pack, uh, one of the sanctioned tests there to start the process of balance of performance and i'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from the teams from the drivers from the manufacturers as things actually pile on i'm, I'm genuinely getting to the stage here where i'm pretty excited for the prospects next year mp same here i accepted the invite hope i'll be able to go here on the 22nd of this month down to the peterson museum where bmw will be doing their unveiling of their hot rod the what is it the m8 hybrid i believe they're calling it some whatever i apologize if i've gotten that wrong but uh should be heading down there for that and then to petit le mans the following week and i'm actually going to be flying in later than expected there we've got uh at least one very important and awesome appointment uh that's been scheduled here uh, very recently that will preclude me from flying out before cars are on track at road Atlanta. But yeah, should be flying in Thursday evening and uh, there on the ground Friday morning. Uh, do whatever I can on Friday to generate some content, probably mostly video, I'm guessing. And then we have uh, 12 hours of competition, or 12 hours, good Lord, 10 hours of competition on Saturday. Sunday, nothing. I, I think the banquet or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, Miles Rowe, young competitor here on the uh, road to Indy. Um, he and his mom and parents invited me over for uh, for dinner if I'm ever the, uh, nearby in Atlanta. So 
think I'm going to pop by Miles Rose uh, house on the Sunday and then had maybe go to church with them and then come back. And then what the Monday, Tuesday, at least I'll be there for the uh, organized GTP test. And yeah, almost end my season. Uh, got one more event after that, Graham. Middle-ish mm-hmm. of October is the Velocity Invitational Vintage event at Monterey. So I'll cover that again. Other than that, that's what I got, my man. Um, why don't I throw hurl something at your okay. way like a frenzied gibbon at, uh, at a zoo, uh, hopefully with splatterproof walls. Uh, Dan Worderich asks, with the expected end of GTE Pro in WEC, as Rocky walks across my chest in front of the microphone, uh, with the expected end of GT Pro and WEC after the season, he says, do you think Corvette will bring that number four car back stateside and run two cars again? Uh, with the impending debut of the new Z06 GT3 car, what do you think might happen here in terms of uh, good old US of A playing in Europe? You think we uh, might get the car back over here? What do you think's going on? Uh, I, I think it's a very interesting point. I mean, I'm, I'm f- fully aware that uh, Corvettes have not been idle in planning for where their cars, factory and customer, might be seen in the next two or three years. The the timeline for the WEC is an intriguing one uh, because, of course, GTE Pro finishes at the end of the current season. Uh, GTE Am continues for one more season, so there's potentially a way for Corvette to be at Le Mans in 2023, the centenary year, remember. After that, we get into the realms of the GT3 cars. So what happens in the interim into 2023, that's a pretty big unknown right now. Um, Do I think they might bring a car back home and have two cars in GTD Pro? (sighs) I think you've got to look at basically the way this, this all comes together for... Uh, GM. They've got one brand new car being launched into racing in IMSA and WC next year. That, of course, is the Cadillac LMDH, which will race in both WC as a hypercar and in IMSA as a GTP. Um, we believe they're going to carry on with a factory car uh, in the GTD Pro class. Might we see that doubled up for the bigger races? Distinctly possible. We did, of course, see it at um, at the Rolex 24 difficult one to call my gut reaction would be they might take more of their time in the test and development area with a new car coming on stream for the following year i would not be surprised if we saw the prospect of a customer gte car in gte am in 2023 i think that's distinctly possible interesting Interesting, interesting. Uh, where else can I go here? Why don't we lean towards M Sport and LMP2? Oh, our pal. It's all gone, yes. it's all gone quiet. It's all gone very, very quiet. Stuart now. Hart, he wants to know Christopher Alphaby as well, and our pal Trevor Gagola as well. Okay. Uh, well, Trevor, I think he's asking about uh, uh, LMP2 being dropped by uh, for the WC by 2024, possibly. That's been covered by a couple of journalistic colleagues, in particular Marcus Schurig in Germany. You'll recall, MP, that follows not a news piece, but an opinion piece uh, 
I wrote back in May or June of this year, that was done on the basis of just what we are seeing happening in the hypercar class and the potential for growth in the new GT3-based Pro-Am class for the WEC. There's not going to be a huge amount of space for a third class, and certainly we don't want, do we, to see yet another championship with classes or any class in small, middle, single figures. We know that the ACO are pushing the LMP2 Pro-Am class uh, away from the WEC. Uh, We know, too, that the calendar will be expanding from its current six, which we've been at uh, through the COVID period, to seven next year and likely to eight beyond, which means that in this era, again with geopolitics in mind, of cost of living, cost of everything, logistics, everything going through the roof, this is a class that's not got factory support. This is a class that depends upon the, uh, the commercial acumen of the teams and of the paying drivers. Uh, it's, it's also, I think we're going to get to the stage where some of the, the growth in LMP2 starts to tail off as a feeding chain for drivers in particular into hypercar basically will dry up. There will be no knowns about who's going to be in the cars for 2023 and 2024. And it does strike me there's an opportunity to kill multiple birds with one stone. Um, Allow the FIWEC to have two very clearly identifiable classes, a Pro-Am GT3 class and a Pro Hypercar class. In many ways, that helps them with their promotion of that product. Happily, they have a very functional pyramid system beneath the WEC, which, of course, includes the uh, European Le Mans series. You could have 10, 12, 15 more LMP2 cars for a full season there. Better still, you don't need to reel the cars in anymore because the only place that those cars would be going head-to-head with the hypercars, you'll remember that fantastic word stratification, MP, Well, wouldn't need to do that anywhere other than Le Mans. The the fundamental change, though, that would have to be accepted by the ACO is a change from the currently established rule um, or formula for qualification for Le Mans. If you've got, let's say, 15 LMP2 cars, the days of that meaning two or three cars going to Le Mans would have to be gone. It would have to be 8, 10, 12 And there would have to be an opportunity for LMP2 uh, operators from IMSA and for that matter, a top-up opportunity with the Asian Le Mans series to feed into that. So a class of 12 to 15 cars at Le Mans stratified against uh, hypercar, but added just for Le Mans, maybe for one other race um, to bed in the, uh, that uh, those, uh, those performance balancing or performance reduction measures for the teams. Um, I think that would be a smart move. And as costs go up and they are going up so fast for these teams, I think it would be a smart move to allow them to have a formula that they could build on. The very same teams, remember, Pro-Am-based teams, some of them already um, are in the marketplace with GT3. Some of them are considering adding, some of them are considering replacing their LMP2 programs with GT3 Uh, programs and that i think for me with my communication hat on um 
a readily identifiable uh, and deep grid of GT cars and a similar number and depth of grid by the time we certainly get to 2024 in hypercar, that strikes me as being a pretty, a, a much more easily promotable product, um, particularly if you're trying to attract new audiences as well as to retain the one you've got. What else should we talk about, mate? Um, there's a good, there's a good kind of crossover here, MP, between your two worlds, sports cars and single seaters, and into um, what's been going on with the VAG LMDH programs, in particular Audi. We know that program is now dead, um, and we know why. We know that that's uh, that the focus is is moving to. Uh, Formula One it remains to be seen just what impact that's going to have on Audi Sport Customer Racing's other programs uh, moving forward. And I hope the fine people at Neuburg uh, have got a plan to move forward with uh, with their products. Uh, I'll ask you. I mean, it, it it's a bit messy. Uh, we've got two different plans from Porsche and from Audi to get involved in a variety of ways with Formula One and the new rule set that is coming. Uh, keen to hear what you think about that um, going into Formula One. Pretty clearly, the rapid expansion of a younger audience for Formula One has turned a lot of heads in the mainstream automotive world. That, for me, is the the key change that's happened um, that has uh, seen VAG's senior management group turn very solidly towards uh, Formula One. We know Porsche have been involved before. We know Audi have looked at it, rejected it multiple times. But all of a sudden, this is very different. How how do you see it? Makes sense to me, brother. If I look at electrification, if I look at what that means and it continues to mean more in the automotive world, <sighs> I look at Audi and say, you know what? Going back to Le Mans, I don't, I don't know if that gets them far or any farther than they are at right now. I think they propelled themselves far enough ahead with all they did. And I realize we're not talking sustained electrification. They obviously pulled out at the end of what 2016, but between the TSFI, the super fuel efficient motors in the R8 and the promotion of that moving into diesel and the huge promotions that came in around that. And then also electrification, the success they had during the hybrid era of LMP one. They're at the forefront of all these things, not saying they weren't beaten at times, but over what, 16, 17 years, they had a huge run centered around, endurance racing and Le Mans. If they're going to make new strides, I can absolutely see why they would say, you know what, let's go someplace different. Let's go someplace. that's actually bigger in terms of promotions. Uh, there's the hybrid aspect aspect there, knowing that Audi is leaning so heavily into electrification. I would say it does make more sense to me to try and promote this area that they're pushing hard, hard, hard into in front of a new audience instead of going back to the old. I just don't think the average 
fan, average buyer, you name it, in endurance racing, has any question as to who Audi is and what they're about. I just don't think there's any any yardage to gain. So I understand and appreciate why they rerouted their plans to F1, uh, seeing with the, the new direction there, the regulatory changes, makes total sense to me. The part that I also find a wee bit interesting, maybe in the reverse direction, is Porsche. Who mm. knows? We'll see if anything goes through between Porsche and Red Bull or not. From what I'm told, looks like that might not be the case, but I think Porsche doing what it does in sports car racing is just a perfect and natural fit. I also think Porsche will probably sell every vehicle it makes forever because <laughs> that's just the, the base that they have. So continuing doing what they're doing in GTP here, LMDH over there. Again, love it. Fantastic. No arguments. Ticks every imaginable box. I appreciate them being here for a competitive, from a competitive standpoint, brother, but I can see why going to F1, eh, going to cost a crazy amount. I don't think it's going to help them to sell any, unless they become a Ford or GM or Renault or something wanting to become mass producers of vehicles. I just don't see how a huge lift in Formula One does much for them uh, in terms of annual sales. Their profile's already where it is. So again, I just, where I see limited returns for Audi and going back to endurance racing, I'd see the same limited returns for Porsche for doing anything outside of sports car racing. Um, You've you got to say, I mean, it, it would seem to indicate that they believe they are losing out to a perceived market rival who are involved in Formula One. And when you look at who that would be, okay, at certain levels it is Ferrari, but Porsche first versus Ferrari, that, that we are not talking there about hugely significant numbers to Porsche. You've got to be looking at Mercedes-Benz. You've got to be looking at what's happening with sales across those brands in the areas where Porsche is present. That's where I'm guessing, without the market analysis in front of me, that Porsche uh, have kind of cast their gaze. Because if that's not the case, then I agree with you. It does seem to me to be a huge amount of money for not a lot of potential market gain. Um is it market gain? Is it market retention? As inevitably the automotive market um, is contracting at the moment. It's an interesting one, isn't it? One, one quick thing, by the way, to add into this, and going back to the questions from uh, uh, a week or two ago, uh, Chris says, from the September edition of Motorsport Magazine, the last sentence, is that correct? Quote, unlike WC, F1 doesn't object to two brands from the same group entering. I have huge aberration the fine folks at motorsport magazine but that is utter baloney um you know it was it was a massive issue when the second vag brand left the wec and if there was any kind of issue about that very uh, that very point they certainly would have been well wouldn't have been welcoming lamborghini in as they did audi back uh, so lamborghini coming in 2024 i have no clue where that particular statement comes from. I'm, I'm not uh, anymore, I'm afraid, a subscriber to Motorsport Magazine. I was for many years. You know, maybe they leaned in to possibly your greatest hashtag ever. Go hashtag on. coming from a place of zero knowledge. 
<laughs> that's the only explanation because that's talking out of one's arse. That, that's that grabbing is, a trumpet is, and then talking is, out of yeah. one's arse. That, that's, that just doesn't have even uh, a scintilla of truthfulness about it. A little, little bit like politics at the moment. But there you go. Okay. Um, I am being stared at by a cat who Not I'm the first convinced time. is going to uh, start going for the jugular. Uh, with his claws if he isn't fed so why don't we say it's time for uncle graham to read us a little bedtime story and take us home once upon a time there was a podcast and they'd been very naughty boys and they hadn't done the (laughs) podcast for some days but thanks to the continuing efforts of cooper tires the justice brothers and toronto motorsports.com they're back this time it's very very personal Personal to him, Marshall Pruitt. Personal to me, Graham Goodwin. Personal to I know to an awful lot of you out there. Apologies, we've been uh, we've been away, but trust me, there's good stuff to come. This has been the Weekend Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast. Good night.